Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we're bringing back a classic. We don't normally bring back a classic this young, uh, as they say. Because <laughs> this was uh, about a year ago uh, we released this. It's a feminist movie Friday on everything, everywhere, all at once, um, which you probably heard was the big winner at the 95th Oscars this year, which Samantha and I did not watch. Uh, we were previously occupied. And that's also why a classic is coming out today, because we have been releasing more new content because of our Last of Us miniseries than we normally do. So we thought we would give us a little bit of a break, but also talk about the Oscars very, very briefly because um, it was some some history made that night. <laughs> so this movie won Best Film Editing, Best Original Screenplay, Best Film, Best Motion Picture, uh, Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had Best Supporting Actress, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Ki He Kwan won Best Supporting Actor, and it was really sweet because he had kind of a mm-hmm. reuniting with Harrison Ford after all these years. And then Michelle Yeoh made history as the first Asian woman to win Best Actress. Um, and I did want to highlight something she said in her speech because she kind of addressed ageism mm-hmm. um, and, and sexism in, in Hollywood and said, ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. Never give up. And this has gotten better, but not by much. Um, so she, the average age of a woman winning in that category is 39, which has got actually gotten a lot better than it used to be, sadly enough. The average age of a male Academy Award winner and the other, the corresponding category is 47. Right. And she is about to turn 61. So it is a big deal uh, mm-hmm. that she won this in, in several ways. And there were a lot of... Um, Pretty great, pretty great speeches 
from that night. And I love that because it was given by Halle Berry, who was the only other woman of color to win that category. So it was a beautiful exchange, as well as the fact that the presenter for uh, Kwan was Ariana Dubois. She was so like emotional presenting it to him because she knew that mm-hmm. how big of a deal it was for him and those around him. It was it was glorious seeing them getting all these awards and accolades. Uh, so beautiful. It was. It was. <laughs> uh, and it's a beautiful movie. So uh, we hope you enjoy this classic episode. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So it is time for this month's edition of Feminist Movie Friday. Uh, It is going to be slightly different. Uh, First of all, it comes with a spoiler alert because we're going to be talking about the very recent 2022 movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which just came out on streaming, though I believe you had to buy it, which I did, Um, but I could be wrong. But I I did buy it. You did. And it's $20. I'm like, what? I'm like, if I love a movie enough, I'm like, yeah, take it. And uh, as I told Samantha, this movie is sort of hard to spoil. It's hard to explain. Uh, however, I did do it. So I guess if you really don't want to be spoiled, I it will spoil you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, since we're talking in detail, yeah, yes. But it's still worth watching, obviously. Oh, yes. Um, and if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it immediately. Unless there's a reason you can't go to the theater or rent it, which I know that it exists and I get mm-hmm. that. So absolutely. But if you're not limited and are ever privileged enough to go to or see it, you need to yeah. right now. Stop. It's stop this right now. Fantastic. Yeah, go stop watch it, it and come and back. And then come back. Please yes. come back. Don't, <laughs> don't abandon us. Come back. <laughs> don't leave me. <laughs> yes, and we were fortunate enough to see it in theaters. I actually saw it in theaters twice. Because yes. she went without me. I feel betrayed. I did, but I admitted it to you. And I have some <laughs> friends who I would have tried to lie to you to about it. And I have done that. I hope they're not listening. Uh, but <laughs> no, you, I, I did told. Now I'm starting to be suspicious. Was that me? Are no, you, you I told you. Throwing me for a loop? I, I will tell is you who it is and you won't be surprised. <laughs> you will not be surprised, but I hope that they I are not listening. I have a feeling I know. I, I have bet, a feeling I know. I think that you do because I'm pretty sure I've told you. But I admitted it. So that's a show of trust. But we did go see it in theaters. There was a bit of a snafu <laughs> with the seating situation. Oh, man, I got real boomerish on this one. Sorry, boomers. Uh, and I say this as I'm a stickler for rules. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm just a Libra to the core in this realm. <laughs> I was fairly stubborn and I really wanted to fight some teenagers because I'm like, you're in my seat. And yeah. that we had to move because we were displaced. Yes. Because we were in the wrong seat. I was very upset. Yes. But other than that, it was a pretty excellent theater experience in terms of like, this is a great movie to see in theaters. Um, I did, uh, there was a trailer for it for another A24 movie, Men, which I have now seen too. Oh, have you? Oh, I have. Yes, I have. And the teenagers, as you call them, behind us. Teenagers. They they were going to save the world. (laughs) I remember after that trailer was over, they said, is that a movie just about how men suck? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part was I think it was like one girl to three guys and they were just all obviously very good friends mm-hmm. and they were all like, yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> all in an agreement <laughs> together. So I was like, you know what? Maybe they're not awful. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see. <laughs> so I know we're not talking about that movie, but I've heard not great reviews and that it was obviously written by a man and directed by a man. Mm-hmm. Is it as it seems or would you recommend seeing that one? I think it has things that are worth talking about. Um, and it's it's a body horror movie. Uh, right. So if you're into that, then if you're in luck. <laughs> I yeah, I definitely I had a lot of thoughts afterwards and I had uh me and my friend who saw it who was also a woman, uh we discussed it at length. I think it tried to do a lot of things and some things succeeded and some things didn't. Uh but there were certainly parts where we were nodding at each other like, yeah, we've met this like really religious man who actually just wants to have sex with you. Yeah, I got it. Um because <laughs> it's a it's one male actor playing like every right, male role. All the characters, right? Mm-hmm. So there's interesting stuff going on. I think the ending was a little (laughs) messy, but... (laughs) You know, A24 has gotten the reputation for being exactly that. Yeah. Ooh, and messy. Okay, Mm -hmm. what's going on? (laughs) Well, this is an A24 movie. Um, Exactly. Yes. And I was watching it, so I watched it two days ago, which was the first day it came out on streaming for this. And I did have, like, further follow-up questions because I'm like, are those people actually dead? <laughs> Wait. I was, okay, I can't help but when I think of multiverse, I really struggle with this as well. Mm-hmm. When all of the, because like, I know this is the comic world and I usually dismiss things, but then it just gets into like further perpetuating questioning of, yeah. but what about this and this and this? Yeah. And then she was this, and but she was all of them. But what? yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the first time I saw it, I was just like, whoa! And then the second time, I was like, wow! And then this time, I was like, this is still cool, but wait a minute, are they which Are they all dead? <laughs> is no one going to come investigate who killed all these people? <laughs> but I think I've got it figured out, Samantha. I think I've got it figured okay. out. Okay, Yeah, um, but uh, before we get into it, just uh, what was your experience? How did you feel about it? Well, you know, I love Michelle Yeoh. Like, I think I've talked about it repeatedly about her as well as Ming-Na being two of the first Chinese women actors that really hit me because they look like me. Now we are of two different ethnicities. I am Korean. They are Chinese. But so, but they looked like me and being beautiful women uh, who were in characters that weren't caricatures mm-hmm. of, of of Chinese women was really nice to see. Of course, yes, sexualization happens often in, in all of those things. But I mean, Michelle Yeoh talks about being able to uh, stand up with Jackie Chan and really holding on and being as strong and as independent as well as fierce and fighting all of those things like you see all of that and are able to really connect and for me to connect with that in a different level of seeing people who can make it in the industry there was something to the fact that Michelle Yeoh was able to cross over Ming-Na as well into both uh, Chinese and uh, in, in Asian film as well as American films. So, so much to that that I love them. And they've, of course, become a, become iconic. And they have been iconic for a while, especially in the Asian community. So I am I was beyond excited to see this movie, really excited to see it in a way that portrays uh, the family, a family 
a community coming together. Of course, there's been movies recently that's celebrating that finally. And I love that. I love that it's been able to cross over. Parasite was that same level. Of course, that's a whole different conversation in itself. Um, There's so many things that I wanted to be able to celebrate, but this had the female, the woman character being the lead, which is even better. Of course, we talked about the whole mother-daughter relationships, which is a whole thing in itself, Uh, any relationships. And I'm not going to lie. I like when it's portrayed realistically. So Mm -hmm. it's not happy-go-lucky and and not necessarily everything's solved, but it's kind of that, it's a romance movie in it it, within it as well. So Mm -hmm. really excited. I wanted to know, very little about it, except I needed to know, like, who all died. I'm like, I, I need to know if, so, if someone's going to die. I'm going to be upset. Mm-hmm. But I was told that the saddest scene would be the rock scene, and it really wasn't bad. Yeah. So, of course, all the reviews were everybody came out bawling. Mm-hmm. And because I don't have the same familial connect- connections, I think people came in with this. I, I didn't. It didn't bother me as much. It didn't emotionally wreck me. As much, mm-hmm. but I really loved every aspect of this movie, except for the hot dog fingers. <laughs> Could have done without that one, but you know, it made it funny. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so everything about this movie made me very excited, very happy uh, coming into it, knowing it was celebrated. Not celebrated enough, apparently. I thought it was because it's in our world, in my sphere. It's so excited, getting so many reviews. But outside of that, apparently, not a lot of people know. I know at one point they were joking about Morbius. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, <laughs> which, yeah, exactly. It's a reaction from most people in my community uh-huh. uh, getting like higher ratings, not ratings, higher viewings, I think. I'm not really sure, but it was, it makes me, that makes me sad. <laughs> That's interesting because Morbius just came out for a second time because I think add. Maybe marketing people misunderstood sarcastic tweets and were like, oh, people really are into it. We'll re-release it. And it got $85,000 in one weekend. So uh, Maybe not. Maybe maybe that's a joke and I believed it. But mm-hmm. like, huh. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's a, it's a critical success um, and a financial success. And we're not going to go... There was so much coverage on this movie and so many interviews with the actors that are amazing and you should read mm-hmm. them. Um, and a lot of it was about being um, an Asian actor, being an older Asian actor and being able to find work. And not only that, but finding like good roles. So right. definitely go look that out. There's so much out there about this uh, movie right now. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love, Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much. And she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her out the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be mine. I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are, we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the Adoption Drive and to see full terms and conditions. Um, I think we should endeavor on trying to explain this movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all go. right okay here we go so everything everywhere all at once is a 2022 american film that is sort of genre defying it's got sci-fi action kung fu nihilism uh at one part animation absurdism comedy uh but i would say under all of that is a stylistic domestic family drama <laughs> about learning to understand your place in the universe uh with some amazing costuming um There's also some really great interviews with the costumer, uh, so check those out too. It has nods to popular movies like Ratatouille, uh, Michelle Yeoh's filmography, and some definite pokes at Marvel. It was written and directed by the Daniels, Dan Kwan and Daniel Shiner, who played the BDSM guy, if you've seen it. Uh, That was him. (laughs) That was him. Uh, Produced by the Russo brothers, the Daniels, Jonathan Wong, uh, Michelle Yeoh, and Mike LaRocca. Uh, and I did want to add in here because I thought it was really interesting. Right now, the multiverse is really popular. And apparently, the Daniels started working on this in 2010. And then Spider-Verse came out uh, 2018, somewhere around there. And they were like, duh, no. And then like Rick and Morty season two as a whole multiverse thing. And then like Spider-Man and then Doctor Strange. And they're like, no. <laughs> yep. But this is a very unique take on it. So I think they were good. They were good. It stars Michelle Yeoh as Chinese-American immigrant Evelyn Wong in a role originally written for Jackie Chan. Um, Stephanie Su as her daughter, Joy Wong. Ki Huai Kwan as her husband, Waymond Wong, who's from the Goonies and Indiana Jones. And I had such a crush on him when I was a kid. (laughs) 
And he Ooh. killed it. Ugh. Oh, he... Oh, amazing. Uh, James Hong as Evelyn's father, Gong Gong. Jamie Lee Curtis as Deirdre, the IRS agent auditing them. Tally Medell as Joy's girlfriend, Becky, uh, with some smaller roles from the like of Ginny Slate and Harry Shum Jr. It was critically acclaimed and a huge financial success and is now film studio A24's top grossing domestic film ever. So, yeah, pretty good. All right, so the plot. Uh, it's separated into three parts to match the title. It follows Yo's uh, character, Evelyn Wong, who owns a struggling laundromat with her husband. When the film opens, it's clear that Evelyn is under a lot of stress. Uh, her demanding father is visiting. Her husband, Wayman, uh, wants to talk to her. And the laundromat is being audited. So she's trying to gather up all of their receipts to take to the IRS office. And by the way, I have been audited, and it sucks. It sucks. And I don't even have, like, a business. Like, I can't even imagine that part of it. During all of this, Evelyn is dealing with demanding customers at the laundromat and her daughter, Joy, who is trying to convince her mom to accept her girlfriend, Becky. Uh, and they, Becky and Joy, have been dating for three years. Evelyn, who is preparing for a party that night, tells Joy that telling Gong Gong that she is gay will kill him. Evelyn is frustrated with her husband, who she views as weak, someone who is always making things worse. She's frustrated with Joy, who can't just help out and not cause problems, like just do as Evelyn says. Um, when Joy tries to introduce Becky to Gong Gong, Evelyn steps in because Joy struggles with Chinese, and both Cantonese and Mandarin are spoken in this film, and there are really great essays on, like, why each one is spoken and when and what it means, so that's really cool, too. Um, and uh, Evelyn calls Becky her friend instead of girlfriend. Um, hurt, Joy storms away with Becky near tears. Evelyn tries to stop her, but instead hurts her even more by telling her that she is getting fat. Um, Joy drives away, upset. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, can we talk about the fact that, yeah, James Hong is also an iconic actor that's yes. been around um, and has been a legend and finally got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame just recently, which yeah. is absurd. He's done a ton of Absurd. stuff. I think it's so like many things. hundreds of of credits to his name. So many, including just recently turning red. Oh yeah, yeah, uh huh. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that's just one of the many. He's probably one of the iconic voices within uh, Disney. Yeah, animation, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. He mm -hmm. he's always been there. He's always been there, y'all. <laughs> but anyway, so back to this. Evelyn, Wayman, and Gong Gong make their way to the IRS office when Wayman seems to be taken over by an alternate personality. Can we talk about the fanny pack, y'all? The fanny pack. <laughs> yes. Alpha Wayman on the elevator right up, giving her odd instructions in this sort of earpiece situation that he just sticks it in her ear, just like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. um, and as the elevator opens, Alpha Wayman is gone. And by the way, the, the um, Umbrella too, because yeah, he, he know, like he's pops up shielding an, off. Yeah, yeah. an umbrella. Everything's that, in that fanny pack. Yeah, the fanny pack that, is useful. Like we can't deny this. Yeah, I mean, fighting, <laughs> you know, hiding, yeah. doing things. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and then Wayman that we know is back, uh, and though he remembers nothing of what just happens, goes into the conversation. Here they sit down with IRS agent Mistedra, uh, growing annoyed and bored with the IRS proceedings. And by the way, did you see the interview that Jamie Lee Curtis did about her personality and how they decided on what she looked like? They actually took a real IRS officer 
that whoever this person was and took their image to be this person. <laughs> and Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis was like, this is the most comfortable I've ever been because everything about it is natural. She's like, I didn't want to tighten up anything. I didn't want to do anything else but just be this person. And I was like, oh, look at you, Jamie Lee Curtis. And she was like, and I loved it. She did a great job. <laughs> she did such Fantastic. a good job. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, but as uh, this proceeds on, uh, she talks to uh, Evelyn about the deductions, uh, which is several items related to her hobbies, like singing as a business deduction. I think a karaoke machine was added to that. Mm -hmm. And Deidre is not impressed. But during this time, Evelyn is hearing these things coming through the earpiece, and she follows Alpha Wayman's written instructions, and her mind seems to split. One version of herself is listening to Deidre. The other version of her is in the janitor's closet with Alpha Wayman. He tells her that he is from something called the Alphaverse, or one of thousands of universes in the multiverse, which Alphaverse means the beginning so I feel like it's the anyway whatever <laughs> and he believes she's the key to defeating the universe destroyer Jobu Tupaki uh, and to do this she needs to use a technology created by Alpha Evelyn called verse jumping basically you have to do something strange and yes yeah, often very gross Yep. It's seemingly painful, but okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to open a pathway to another you that made a different choice. The stranger the thing, the greater the probability of the jump will work, uh, and you will be able to access the skills of that universe's version of you. Yeah. Still with us? Got it? I will say the second time I was like, okay, I'm not I'm spending less time like what? <laughs> so I recommend at least two viewings. <laughs> um, all right. So Evelyn, now back at the IRS meeting after a version of Deirdre snaps Alpha Wayman's neck. Uh, but it's fine though, because this was like an in-between, not real thing. Yeah. Realizes that her Waymond is trying to divorce her, punches Deirdre, and attempts to verse jump, all very quickly. Waymond gives up on her, which by the way, this is after he's told her he's seen a thousand Evelyns murdered by Jobu Tupaki. Uh, but Evelyn figures out this verse jumping thing, accessing a universe where she left Waymond, stayed home, and became a martial arts expert and movie star, a.k.a. Michelle Yeoh, essentially. <laughs> all the throwbacks was amazing. The throwbacks. There's a lot of really good, like, old footage, promotional footage of her. Um, yeah. So... Evelyn uses her new skills to beat professional wrestler Deidre. <laughs> Saying this is so fun, <laughs> but it's <Yeah>. all true. <laughs> um, Alpha Wayman decides because of all of her untapped potential, she is the best chance of beating Jobu Tupaki. He says it in a much meaner way, even though he means it very nicely. Um, and Jobu Tupaki is revealed to be Alpha Joy, created by Alpha Evelyn after she pushed Alpha Joy too hard. Jobu Tupaki has unlimited godlike power to manipulate matter and to verse jump, experiences all universes at once, and has created a everything bagel, a black hole-like thing to destroy the multiverse. Uh, and she has been searching for the right Evelyn. Right. Uh, and can we talk about, there have been so many conversations and I guess memes about the everything bagel. I've oh, seen yes. references to it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's become it's become a thing. Like somebody who I was guesting on somebody's podcast the other day, you know, um, just, just being just you know, how it goes. just being famous. And they, 
I don't even know they'd seen it, but they used everything bagel as sort of like a term to describe something. And I was like, wow, it's really <laughs> caught on. Quick. Yeah. That is quick. Well, it, apparently the Daniels used it as a joke to describe it and then it just caught on. And so they were like, yeah, let's just stick with it. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense now. It does, right? Uh, so, so Alpha Gong Gong in a super-powered wheelchair, and obviously the commander of all the things, appears after Jobu Tupaki kills some police, uh, some cops, in truly creative ways. A lot of color in there. A lot of Confetti. color. Confetti, yep. Uh-huh. So much. Uh, Elvis outfits, you know, all the things. Dildos. So, uh, dildos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's a lot of dildos. There are. Play. And butt plugs. And, and the minute I saw this award, I was like, that looks like a butt plug. And Annie burst out laughing because I had no context yet. <laughs> what was coming? <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, so he tries to convince Evelyn to kill Joy to weaken Jobu Tupaki, but Evelyn refuses, deciding that in order to defeat Jobu Tupaki, she has to become more powerful than she. Um, so she first jumps, fighting minions of both Jobu Tupaki and Alpha Gong Gong into a verse where she is a sign flipper, a singer, a chef, where she works with Rakakuni. And can we just talk about, oh my God. <laughs> Harry Shum Jr. And I was so excited that he was on here because he probably was one of my favorite characters. And I, why am I talking about Glee so much? But he was one of my favorite characters in Glee uh, because I was like, look at this. They're representing an Asian person as something beyond just being... Again, a caricature. I mean, he wasn't the only one. There were two Asian characters, and I loved it, and that was wonderful. But he was such a fantastic character to see him thrive on, because I was really scared that most times you don't see uh, mm -hmm. marginalized people moving on. And to see him in, in this movie was really nice. But anyway, yeah. back to Raccoonie. Yes. <laughs> it is a raccoon that controls a chef. Sounds familiar? Yes. It may have been a play on words because they she couldn't figure out Ratatouille. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. Yes. Um, and to see a puppetry type of thing, like yeah. the idea of having it as a live. Yeah. Also, Rekakuni <laughs> was voiced by Randy Newman. Uh, so. That's even better. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. And one where everyone has hot dog for fingers. Y'all, if you haven't seen this, it's unimaginable. <laughs> and I wish I hadn't seen that part. Um, and she is in a relationship with Deidre. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so through this, Evelyn learns that the Everything Bagel was not created to destroy the multiverse, but so Jobu Tupaki could destroy herself. So Jobu Tupaki believes that because of all the chaos and randomness of the universe, nothing matters. And she's tired of experiencing it all. And that if nothing matters, then it doesn't matter that she never became anything. Um, and she's been looking for an Evelyn that would understand that. Evelyn sees flashes of other universes where um, she turned in Rakakuni to the authorities, uh, where she is on the verge of losing the laundromat, where she tries to convince Wayman to be with her and he rejects her. That's the um, Michelle Yeoh movie star universe, uh, and uh, one where she stabs her universe's Waymond, um, almost persuaded by Jobu Tupaki to follow her and to the everything bagel. 
And yeah, she approaches the everything bagel with Jobu Tabaki, but is stopped by Wayman's calls for peace, for kindness, like basically like, stop, what are we doing? <laughs> um, Evelyn decides to fight like Waymond, as she says, and finds the thing that all of her opponents need or desire and gives it to them from BDSM to promises of love to pain relief, um, stuff she has gleaned from her multiverse knowledge. She helps save Rakakuni. Uh, there's a universe where both she and Jobu Tupaki are, yes, both rocks. And they bond, apparently, according to Jobu Tupaki, most universes are like this. Um, as in, no life ever happened because the, the conditions weren't correct. Um, in an alternate universe, she confronts Gong Gong and tells her why she loves her daughter, um, how she won't do the same thing to her daughter that he did to her, and introduces Becky as Joy's girlfriend. Joy storms off, upset. Uh, Deirdre shows up with the police. Evelyn signs the divorce papers and breaks the window of the laundromat and is put in handcuffs. However, Wayman tells Deirdre about the divorce and she orders the police to let Evelyn go. Deirdre gives them a week to redo their taxes and Deirdre and Evelyn bond, um, Deirdre revealing how she reacted to her own divorce. And that's one of my very favorite scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. If you're confused, like she, Deirdre had uh, given them until 6 p.m. that night to turn in their taxes and they never did. And then she she calls angry and is like, to not even show up. And then Evelyn said something very rude to her. And then she showed up with, uh, Deirdre showed up with the police and it escalated from there. <laughs> very quickly. Yes. Yeah. So Evelyn goes after Joy and tells her that despite everything, she would always choose to be here with her, no matter all the other universes, and that she would cherish every speck of time and meaning they found together. Um, and yeah, I do really love that. But also there's a moment where she's just watching Wayman. Yeah. And seeing what he does and watching everything he does and realizing that it is not bad. Yeah, uh, it's very sweet. Yeah. And then yeah. we also see Grandpa having a moment of confusion mm-hmm. and acceptance. That was interesting. But that was mm-hmm. also one, again, like you were saying earlier, one of the pushes is that he had pretty much disowned her. Yep. Because she refused to follow his advice and his uh, the parents' advice. And, and so he pretty much cut her off until he got sick and had to move in with her. Mm-hmm. And all of that, uh, they hug. And next we see them. The family seems to be healing as they return to the IRS office, driven by Becky, who Evelyn informs needs to grow out her hair because it's too short, obviously. <laughs> um, Evelyn kisses Wayman. During their meeting with Deirdre, she is distracted for a moment by all the universes, but pulls back, focusing on the moment. End. Yes. Yes. And there was a fake out ending. Uh, yeah. 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 There was a couple of fake out endings. Like she died and that was the end of it. Yep. And then she wakes up in the movie theater. Yep. Yep. So that was the actual end. Um, and yes, it is very visually arresting. Very like, there are a lot of dildos and butt plugs. The costuming is amazing. It's very creative. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, an experience for the senses. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Lots of play on things. Uh, mm-hmm. I do, once again, like, I feel like Wayman's character was specific to bring the childlike portion into it, whether it's the googly eyes, again, whether it's the fanny pack, any of those things. Obviously, he's the one that's asking for a divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's the, kind of the one that pulls her back mm-hmm. to the reality, and she pulls joy with her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how they, at the end, when joy... Joba Tupaki was like trying to get into the everything bagel. Evelyn was holding her back. Wayman was holding Evelyn back. 
and then Gong Gong was holding Wayman back. Right. So it was took all of them to bring her back. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much, and she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her out the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be mine. I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in, for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So some themes, again, like there's so much written about this movie. So we're just going to touch on some stuff, but there's so much out there. And if you want to read it, 
I recommend it. A lot of it's very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so a big one is, yes, the mother-daughter relationship, which is fascinating because we have been talking about this a lot lately. Right. Uh, and I even saw an article before we decided to do this movie. Um, so I haven't, I wasn't able to find it again, but I saw an article that was like, <laughs> the newest trend in Hollywood, parents apologizing to their children. <laughs> especially in the context of multi-generational immigrant families in Western countries. So we talked about that with Turning Red. Uh, We talked about it a little bit when we did our our touch on Encanto. But it has definitely been a thing lately, uh, for sure. Right. And I wonder, like, of obviously the people who came out going, I was sobbing, no one warned me. Why didn't you tell me that I would be ugly crying because I didn't want to be at, in public mm-hmm. crying like this. But I wonder if things like this for movies like this, as well as Turning Red, as well as Encanto, it's really therapeutic for the families to see it because mm-hmm. maybe they have not gotten it and yeah. wish for it. And that's what part that the writers are pouring into because they themselves are experiencing and wishing for that and they know yep. how universal it is. And though we're looking at a world of uh, so many things, <laughs> what we see is an attack on female relationships a lot of times anyway. When we see this whole undermining of of women altogether and those who identify as women in general, like it is an obvious thing. Maybe this is such an open spot that this is how people are working it out therapeutically by the relationships that they have. And I hope this is true. I hope this is exactly what it is, especially right now. The queer community is like a double whammy of trying to find acceptance in the world, hoping to find acceptance with the, those who love them the most, those who've raised them, whatever it may be, whether you're, they are trans or coming out or any of those things, that this is such a raw moment in time that it's become bigger and bigger and bigger. And since the first, I don't know, who would be our first as of recent that has decided to in, to uh, jump into the mother-daughter relationship? I don't know. But since that, I've realized, oh, oh, mm-hmm. this is needed. This is the therapy people are needing. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of thoughts about that. Number one, as you know, I am working on an episode for my birthday that is no surprise about Star Wars. But I have a whole theory about what you're talking about, <laughs> about like people trying to like writing this thing and uh, basically trying to <laughs> provide themselves therapy. But that doesn't mean it's like not useful because people, a lot of people experience those things. Right. And that's how we connect through these stories. And then I forgot to mention like Ben like Beckham also had something like this going on. Yeah. So it's been around. It's not like it's new. I just think it's right now super popular. But also last night I watched Ms. Marvel, which is one of my very favorite comics. Uh, and it had a similar thing. And I was like, oh, this is happening. Here it is. <laughs> it's a generational thing. Like it, the not that father sons are not important, but we've kind of gone past to what is happening now with the ladies, the the women who are struggling. We're being attacked from all ages. What's the what's the way maybe we feel a little more safe if we had that bond? Here we go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I think we're gonna talk about this in an upcoming book club, but also just sort of the the way we as women can hurt other women. Right. Yeah, which is something I do want to talk about in a second. But also, I did find it interesting because I didn't really put this together. But one of the articles I was reading pointed out that in all of the other universes we see, other than the alpha one, Evelyn doesn't have joy. 
Uh, It's only in those two that you see it. And so it's sort of like the mirror of you pushed her too hard. You pushed her towards this. And then this sort of, I don't want to say normal. The one, the Evelyn, the Evelyn we are going through the story with, her universe, she has that moment of like pulling her back and stopping pushing. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. There was that whole thing of like, Joy tells Becky, Evelyn has this thing of like, if she criticizes you, it's how she shows she cares. Right. So when she says Joy is getting fat, it's a way of showing she cares. At the end, when she says, Becky, uh, you need to cut your hair short, it's supposed to be a way of showing she cares. But that's also like, I feel like that's come up a lot in these stories too, of sort of the critical uh, Mm -hmm. maternal figure, whether it's the grandmother or the mother, but, or both. Um, sort of the criticism that is often a push to do better, to be that everything bagel, to go out and be more than I I was. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely that conversation of, yeah, I don't want this life for you, my life for you. I want your to have your life, mm-hmm. which again is is a bigger conversation about it. And I mean, we've seen it culturally. We've seen it being talked about, uh, especially in Asian cultures, that being a, a a thing, you know, to the point that it became a stereotype, obviously. But I think it is interesting, yeah, that the whole criticism. I always say, from my perspective, if I'm not making fun of you, that means I don't love you, <laughs> which is cruel. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's probably not a good thing. But at the same time, like, I show love by... Mm-hmm. Being a jerk sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> I think for you, though, I mean, a lot of friends do that where you feel comfortable enough, like, teasing them. Right. It can Family can be so tricky, and so can friendships. But I feel like in friendships, a lot of times, as long as it's within good nature uh, and not that sort of toxic, backhanded friendship right. stuff, then, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's fun to do. <laughs> I did hear they were going to remove calling Jenny Slate's character Big Nose from the digital version because of negative Jewish stereotypes, but it was still in it when I watched it. So I don't know. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That one made me go, ah, mm-hmm. Who yeah. said this was okay? I don't understand who wrote this and thought <laughs> it was okay. Um, I haven't seen any complaints about it necessarily uh, by individuals. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also, when I was watching, I was like, oof. But I, I hadn't heard that until I was researching it. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, to a lesser extent, I mean, it's a huge part of the movie. It's just not the main focus is Evelyn's relationship with her father. And as we've kind of been talking about, about how her father uh, disowned Evelyn because she wanted to be with Waymond and how that impacts Evelyn and how she treats Joy and how she wants Troy to act around Gong Gong. Um, Sort of this whole cyclical mess. Um, The language barrier between uh, Joy and Gong Gong is a pretty big factor throughout this. Um, also, every time I watch it, the line, I'm sorry, it's a girl when Evelyn is born catches my attention. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, you see, throughout the movie, you see kind of flashbacks of Evelyn being young and Joy being young, and they're very similar in a lot of ways, but definitely Gong Gong pushed Evelyn really, really hard uh, and critiqued her very, very hard, and she rebelled just like Joy, and at the end... Evelyn tells Gong Gong, like, she's just like her mother. (laughs) Also, yeah, like we said, the kind of putting all of your hopes and dreams into a child and everything bagel, like putting everything on there and it sort of collapses in on itself. And so when 
this is going to sound strange if you haven't seen it, but when Joy shows Evelyn the everything yeah. bagel, she does sort of like this church, church, steeple, steeple, like the finger church thing. Yeah, that finger trick that young kids would do. Be like, look, this is like a vagina. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why when I was watching it, I was like, it does kind of look like that. And then I was like, is this like <laughs> birthing of universes? And I, am I reading too deep on it? I couldn't find anything about it, but I feel like they knew what they were doing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, and then I couldn't really find, I saw this article and I read it. I skimmed through it probably a month or so ago. And it was about the drudgery of motherhood and how this movie does a really good job of kind of capturing the days where you're, you are thinking like, I wish I was in another universe where I, this wasn't my life. But it also does capture really well the like importance of the days where you don't wish that. Uh, And there's a great interview, I think with NPR, Michelle Yeoh did, where she's like, the superpower of her is that she's a mom and she's running this business and she's in this relationship, like all the stuff she's doing. So I thought that was interesting. I think basically what people were saying was it was a really, like you said, realistic portrayal Mm -hmm. of sort of all the stuff a lot of us have to do. And I'm not even a mom, but like just that everyday stuff. Right. adding the mom and the business and all of that stuff to it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yes, as this comes out, it is Pride Month. And so we did want to talk about queer relationships. And, you know, the big one is between Joy and Becky, who again have been dating for three years. And they're very, very sweet together. Um, and we get to see Becky being very supportive of Joy. I'm assuming Joy is very supportive of Becky, but that's sort of not what we're getting to see in this family drama part that we're seeing. Right. <laughs> yeah, and they're... You know, Joy's trying to, like, you know, we've been dating long enough. Can I bring Becky to this party as my girlfriend, not my friend? Is at the heart of a lot of the uh, drama that we see in this particular universe. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep track of all the universes here. But yeah, yeah. Right. It's obviously a big part of the acceptance that she feels like she's not enough for her mother already mm-hmm. and then not accepting her, a big part of her life, her relationship with this, the love of her life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely a big key point. Kind of the push as, of like, if you don't accept me, this might be over. It felt like a finalized uh, this or that type of moment, mm-hmm. including with a bagel. Like, I think it's like, a, that's a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And then the smaller picture was this relationship in, in my acceptance and your acceptance of my family. And part of that acceptance is acknowledging that it's, it's, it is, it's a relationship and it's for real. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the bit at the end where, uh, she, she, Evelyn looks at Wayman as like the universe was kind enough to grant us someone who is patient and loving and that's, right. I thought that was very sweet. That part does make me kind of nervous, though, just because, like, coming out to family, because Joy keeps trying to get away, and she's like, no, we're finally going to tell Gong Gong, which I totally get, because in the beginning, Joy was like, we have to tell Gong Gong. Um, but I was just like, oh, this is tense. <laughs> this is right. a tense moment. <laughs> I don't very. know what the best way to do it would have, I mean, if Joy would have done it, or if it was too late, I'm not sure. Um, Because it felt like Evelyn was like, no, I'm putting the, I'm standing up for you. I'm going to say it. I'm going to tell my father what's what. And Joy was like, oh, gosh, please don't do this. (laughs) Right. Not at my expense. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, there is this line when uh, Evelyn realizes that Jobu Tapaki is Joy. She views it as like Joy is being possessed. 
Uh, and she says to Jobu Tupaki, like, is that why she thinks she's gay? <laughs> um, so it, that was, she had a long way to go in understanding her daughter and her depression and her queerness and all right. of that. Uh, which I think is a lot, a lot of people do think that way, uh, whether it's depression or queerness or what, but like, that's something almost possessing you. Like, that's not my joy. Right. But it is. And also, I just had to mention, I do really love the hot dog universe relationship between her and Deirdre. I think it's super sweet. Um, I love that in the beginning, her weird, her strange thing she had to do was like tell Deirdre she loved her and mean it. And she was like, never, there's nothing to love. And then at the end, Deirdre says, well, that's just how it is. Those stone cold bitches make the world go round. We're unlovable. And Evelyn's like, there's always something to love. (laughs) And then they smoke weed together. I love that part. It's so cute. (laughs) Yeah, the the relationship they had was nice. The hot dog fingers was disturbing because they eat each other's fingers. Like that's the romance. Cheese comes out. Ketchup comes out. Mm -hmm. There's something so disturbing about that. (laughs) Um, The relationship was beautiful and sweet Mm -hmm. and sad when Deidre leaves her, but then comes back and becomes happy. But yeah, the sexy moments were them eating each other's fingers. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it made me uncomfortable. (laughs) More uncomfortable than the butt plug scene? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Which is nothing wrong with butt plugs, but it was quite a... I'm I'm more like that would hurt so bad because it was like a running like, cannonball seemed, seemed jump like it was painful. onto it. Also, they did it with their pants on, and I can't imagine yeah, exactly oh, that is comfortable dear. in any least way. Oh no, 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 no! Because <laughs> I had to go through jeans and underwear. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this hasn't seen it. That kind oh, of pressure, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that gets me every time because it's a running jump cannonball situation. Yeah. There's also, as we've been talking about, and we talked about this even with Bridget in our Sex in the City episode, which I love. uh, This whole theme of like depression and the meaning of life, it keeps coming up. Jobu Tupaki keeps saying nothing means anything, nothing matters. But Evelyn arrives at sort of the opposite conclusion that everything matters. Like even the tiny... Because Joe Dupaki keeps saying we get maybe for lucky specks that have any meaning. And Evelyn arrives at the meaning that like, then I will treasure every of those specks and that it all matters instead of nothing matters, which is very sweet. Um, it's interesting because I kind of have a similar viewpoint where I'm like, eh, nothing matters, but it, it does matter at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, it does. Yeah. That's the existential crisis to it all. <laughs> <laughs> Which this movie is very much about. I didn't mention that exactly. in the genres, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> but in a nice way. <laughs> right, right. And then throughout there is this kind of running through point of Evelyn missing the point. She keeps almost getting where her daughter is coming from, but missing it. Like there's a scene where she's like, I know you have these feelings inside. I know you feel like you'll never do them, whatever. I will beat Jobu Tabaki. Like, But at the <laughs> end, she she does get it. She arrives at it yeah. and it's, They've just been looking right. for connection and understanding. Yeah. Right. She arrives at it because she arrives at her own feelings yeah. instead of projecting. Mm-hmm. And that's the big key. Uh, actually, here's a quote from Noelle Webster at The Tricycle. 
they say, Everything Everywhere All at Once is not a movie about how to save the world. It's about understanding how to be a part of it. Amidst the mayhem, the film seems grounded in its core message about the importance of human connection and cultivating compassion for all beings throughout our confusing, impermanent lives. Evelyn doesn't arrive at these truths immediately. It takes a few action-packed trips across the multiverse first. But as she learns to cherish even the most mundane moments of time with her family, so does the audience. Yeah, that's sort of what you were talking about when she's like remembering all these things Wayman does. I mean, like, right. oh, yeah, I should have yeah. treasured that. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it definitely is one of those moments of going through all the versions of him mm-hmm. and her trying to pick out which one she would have rather been with and not been with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to see. And then her pushing back and be like, nothing matters. Because she comes to that point yeah. during it. She's like, doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I'll tell you everything ends badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the one that was like, no, but that's not true. Even if it wasn't great, I would still want to not do great things with you. Yeah, laundry and taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much, and she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her out the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be mine. I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are, we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the Adoption Drive and to see full terms and conditions. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in, for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's also this whole thing of Michelle Yeoh being uh, an untraditional superhero because she's an older Asian woman who's quite unconventional in her skills superhero origin story in this movie. Uh, And she's kind of everything. She's strong and weak, focused and lost all at once. Yeah. And she gets to really shine. She gets to, as an actor, she gets to really showcase her skills. It's awesome. Uh, if she doesn't win all the awards, I might be upset. And I know it's pretty early in the season to say this, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, and then uh, there is the whole theme of Asian-American identity, uh, cultural divide, because Evelyn immigrated to the U.S. as an adult. Joy was born in the U.S., and we see this divide in small and large moments throughout, perhaps most clearly in language. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because it's very um, representative of the first-generation family as well. You'll see the the new children who come here try, are acclimated. They often can't speak, and then we talked about this in Crying in H Mart, can't speak mm-hmm. uh, their parents' native language, and they can understand, which I ran into and I didn't realize was a thing. Uh, in my mind, it was only adoptees who have not been around it. And watching these generational kids um, of immigrants or refugees, and sitting there saying, yeah, I'm taking, they were taking Korean with me because they couldn't speak Korean. They could understand it. Mm-hmm. And I found that fascinating, too. And I was like, really? Because they were trying so hard to assimilate into the country and not wanting to be uh, a foreigner slash an outsider. But it is. It's very representative of that in in a whole. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there, again, are many great articles about that specific aspect of this movie as well. Here is one quote from Very Well Mind. Navigating between two cultures while never feeling completely at home and either is referred to as acculturation stress, and it can lead to a number of negative consequences. Ling Lam, PhD lecturer in counseling psychology at Santa Clara University, notes that acculturation stress results in a pervasive sense of not being understood, feeling invalidated, feeling invisible, of feeling like you have to constantly hide a part of yourself. This can result in an unstable sense of identity as well as feelings of guilt and shame, which in turn can lead to mental health challenges, including depression, anxiety, and suicidality. In Everything, Everywhere, the multiple identities assumed by Jobu Topaki throughout the movie, including a salsa dancer, a tennis pro, and a multiversal goddess, could be seen as a metaphor for the way Joy has learned to move between cultures, even as her anger and sadness indicates she isn't happy in any of them. So this was a whole article about the like it was about the movie (laughs) right that's amazing Um, but I think you know that has a lot to be said about the way that we don't get enough representation and when we get it 
we see it. And this was one of those moments. And I say we as in, uh, an Asian person living in the U.S. I, I am technically an Asian American, I guess, in a way. I wasn't born in the U.S. or whatever. Uh, but uh, all of that to say is there's so much to that, whatever. If you look different in general from the quote-unquote norm of what that culture seems to be representing, whatever, whatnot, there's a lot to be said in the underlying basis of trying to assimilate uh, under the pressures of, once again, societal norms. And yeah, I think this is even better when talking about a family of uh refugees coming through and trying to hold on to their identity at the same time find their own identity and yeah this movie was for her trying to seek all of that but trying to please her family as well but just wanting to give up and just not caring but it's hard not to care and it makes you feel guilty so many things Everything everywhere. Um all at once, all at once. uh there is plenty of throwaway racism throughout the movie uh against Evelyn uh, and her family, and also very clear signs that Evelyn doesn't feel like she's been totally accepted into the mm-hmm. community. Also interesting with Waymond being both the sweet, goofy, fanny pack-wearing kind of emasculated husband in the alpha-verse jumping version. And the actor, again, very great interview I read with him, saying like it was such, like he never thought as a 50-year-old, I believe, uh, somewhere near 50, uh, he would get to be, because he's like this suave, not yeah. business person in one. He's the action star in one. He's the like yeah. sweet husband in one, um, which I love. I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His characters were so good, so diverse. And when he did pop up as like in the tuxedo, I was like, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yes. And he <laughs> he did like, he studied, from what I read, he studied different animals. And he was like, I wanted it to be clear which Waymond we were dealing with based on the way he moved and talked. And I was like, yeah, you did it. You did it. <laughs> you did so good. He did so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. And speaking of, this leads us to our kind of final thing that I had to include, and you'll see why. Uh, so <laughs> I know why. Oh, gosh. Uh, so there is throughout, like, kindness and the importance of kindness and Waymond kind of being the one who is, right. like, all about that. And at first, it's something Evelyn sees as... Um, either a weakness or, like, he's just making things more difficult for her. Like, he's not... She doesn't understand why he brings Miss Deidre cookies. She doesn't understand why he, like, puts the clothes, the dry cleaning where they're happier. Like, she doesn't understand all of these things. She just sees them as sort of an annoyance uh, until the end. She appreciates it. And so, yeah, there's the whole theme between them of love and divorce and she has this line that's pretty painful where she says to Alpha Wayman, like, I, I can't wait to show him how good my life is without him. Um, uh, the idea of the one, because like every universe, even if they're not together, they're sort of like in each other's orbits. Um, and then I would say like the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, all of the could have beens that always look better when you're not actually living that life. Um, and I think it's also for Evelyn sort of related to low self-esteem or looking down on yourself based on the choices you've made and what you have or have not become. Uh, and therefore, the other people in your life get pulled into that as well. Right. I mean, there's definitely the common, like at the beginning when the Alpha Wayman comes in, he says, you're the most <laughs> unskilled, yep. essentially. Mm-hmm. That was like... what. Yeah. How dare you? But it's true. <laughs> but she 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 believed it because yeah, she looked at these different 
uh, stances of like, oh, I could have been a chef, which mm-hmm. she, it wasn't really a chef because... It's a teppanyaki restaurant. Not to say that's a Yeah, no, thing. but like she was one of many. She wasn't as good as Rakakuni. Rakakuni, <laughs> yes. I really struggled with this word mm-hmm. was at that point. But like the, even the Hollywood version of like, she was alone in that level of like, mm-hmm. and she wondered when she was, what she was missing out on that level. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things to that that I found interesting. And, and she definitely does really well portraying. Cause like, I don't know, do they age her in that film? Because I'm like this, wow. Like she looked beaten down and I know makeup is amazing and all this, but like even for her, I, I, she's not one of those people I could ever see beaten down in any least way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, that was her character was that she was already beaten down. This one universe was just completely uh, against her. It's, it mm-hmm. seemed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, she was definitely tired. <laughs> she was tired. Um, and I, I tried to put together, maybe this is for a revisit in the future, but I tried to put together like, because it's everything everywhere all at once, but it also seems to be saying to me, you can't be, you can't have it all. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the end is also, uh, you know, being present in a world full of distractions when she's hearing all these other universes, all these other things she could have done or could be doing choosing to be present right. in that moment. Uh, but now I have to talk about the cinnamon roll because this is an example of it. Um, Waymond is an example of it. And it, like at the end when he's giving his speech, I'm like, this is it. Essentially, this is like a thesis statement almost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite fan fiction descriptions of it is the strength of choosing to be kind in a cruel universe. And Wayman is like, this is how I fight with kindness. Like it's strategic. It's a purposeful choice of survival. And I, I just love it. He's so sweet. He's so adorable. Because uh, <laughs> he's just like always trying to make people happy and kind of doing these goofy things. He's always trying to make Evelyn happy. Um, It's very... When they have the flashbacks of their relationship, which again, of course, he's asking for a divorce. It hasn't always been good. (laughs) But those flashbacks... That's the other part to me that I don't quite understand is why does it ever explain that? I think from the things I read, he... Because in the beginning, he's like, please, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? And she keeps being Right, right. I think it was sort of a last ditch I need to talk to you <laughs> but yeah that's maybe I'll rewatch it again and have a different take for you um and also yeah this importance of seeking connection through other people and that's ultimately what Jobu Tabaki wanted um that's why she kept looking for Evelyn and that's how Evelyn saved the day in the end yes yes brought her back from the everything bagel hole <laughs> You're right. True story. It is absolutely true. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you have not watched it and you've listened to this episode, if your interest is not peaked right now, wow. But if you also have not watched it and listened to this episode, please send us an email and tell us what your take on what you think we are saying. Because <laughs> yes. I would love to hear a, an interpretation of what just happened yes, here. I would too. <laughs> and then go watch it because it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's what we have to say for now. I bet we'll I bet we'll revisit this one um, in the future. But uh, in the meantime, if you have any suggestions for our future movie picks, please email them to us. You can do so at Stephanie and Momstuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff Whenever Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. 
Stefan never told you's production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.